Spags, it's Monday. We have to welcome people to the family. We have to build a Monday night showdown lineup. What else do we have on tap? Well, of course, the welcome to the family is the key part. We are going to recap everything that happened in week 13, the Javante Williams breakout week we all knew was coming, and, of course, the downside of Foster Moreau chalk week. We're going to also do some week 14 waiver wires. So if you are in the playoffs and you're desperate for somebody to pick up on waivers, we're going to talk about that as well. And, and Pete is going to tough through his flu game and bring his best. So, Pete, hit that sick intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Peter Overzet. And Pete, I know it, but the people maybe don't if they didn't see your morning stream. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How How's everything in Peter Overzet's world? You know, I'm I'm doing all of the classic uh, sick boy things. I'm drinking tea right now. My wife brought me uh, some chicken noodle soup. Um, I did go to bed really early last night, hit some NyQuil and, uh, and passed out, but yeah, just kind of the sore throat, the, uh, feeling foggy, uh, just fatigued in general, but the show must go on. It just so happens that Mondays are the days I do four shows. So <laughs> I just, uh, empowering through. Yeah, make sure you hit the like button right now for Pete. The only way that he's going to get better is if you subscribe to his channel and the Splash Play channel and hit the like button. It's like a, a fundraising drive for your health, Pete. That's I was going to say, if there's ever a Spags move I should have seen coming, it was you using my sickness as a pander for more likes. It's actually Pete's wish now that he's got <laughs> this terminal illness to get the like button hit as many times as possible. So please do that. And of course, Pete also really for his health wants you to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Pete personally requested they give packages that are 99 cents a week on there as part of his, his dying wish. I don't want to say it, but it's, that's just the way that it is. Uh, so go to footballoutsiders.com. I'm starting on a weird note, Pete, but footballoutsiders.com. No, I couldn't agree more. If I, if I, um, you know, happen to shed this mortal coil, the one thing that will make me feel good is knowing that everyone has a subscription to football outsiders. So please, please get subbed up. Yeah. We're all going to hold up our subscriptions to football outsiders at Pete's funeral, like, <laughs> like holding a candle into the wind. Uh, hopefully you're not going to die from this. I think no, you do. Yeah. It will be all you can, all you can drink and eat at my funeral with a football outsiders uh, subscription. <laughs> And of course, make sure again that you are subscribed to the Peach channel and the Splash Play channel because we are going live Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, 2.30 Eastern. We had some great show, a great show on Friday, some great shows last week, but it was nice having my pal Greg Ehrenberg from Osmo on and Pete's pal as well. Uh, nice to make the, the connection there and have him on one more time. And who knows what we'll do this week, but uh, let's talk about some of the week 13 news, Peter. Not really news, just the items to take away. Saturday Night Football is a big one, kind of a limp win for Kansas City. They go 22-9 over, over the Broncos in that spot. But the big one, Javante Williams. This has been one that we've talked about all year long. My boy Melvin Gordon has dug his heels in, preventing Javante Williams like a Triple H in the early 2000s WWE, holding down young talent. Javante Williams gets his time in the sunlight. Pete, 23 rushes, 102 yards, plus six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. And we're going to talk about this. I think there's a few spots that fit this criteria, but for DFS, we beat this drum a lot. Just if you have somebody out who has a key role and there's another guy there set to seize, you know, a fractional amount of that workload or the entire workload as Javante Williams did, you got to play that guy. And we talked about this the second we heard about Melvin Gordon, but I got to assume that you're not surprised at all by Javante Williams breaking out in that way on the big stage. 
Yeah, uh, I will admit I have no film takes. I did not watch this game. I went to bed uh, right as it was starting, but seeing the line he put up uh, today definitely made sense. That said, I would say uh, to people like me and everyone, I, I saw all the takes this morning. Javante Williams, 102 overall in fantasy drafts next year. Um, I think the thing to caution is, is this is still a situation where when Melvin Gordon is healthy, like they're going right back to a split. Like this was born out of necessity um, because of Melvin Gordon being out and Javante Williams took advantage of the opportunities for sure. And flash that kind of bell cow upside. And that is what we'll probably get next year when Melvin Gordon's gone. But uh, you know, I think it's going right back to a 50 50 once Melvin Gordon's healthy. And did I just notice, is that an iPad with the thumbnail up over your shoulder? So that is, in fact, um, a portable monitor I got for the stretch where we didn't have stuff here. People, uh, shout out to Birdo complimenting me on my background. I, I've said it from you know the previous shows. I'm just trying to keep up with Pete now. And except that my OCD is making me just like continually try to work and improve this background. So you could see I, I teased Pete uh, over the weekend. I mentioned to him and Greg that I was going to get a neon money sign. Had to get an LED dimmer so it wouldn't get totally washed out because... Otherwise, it'll look like, uh, where is this fucking mic? Otherwise, it looks like this. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's worthless. But now you can see it is, in fact, a money sign. And yeah, I got a little monitor over there with our thing. Got a glare protector on it. And I think it's too small. Like, I want to get, like, a full-size monitor, I think, behind my head. But that's that's where I'm going with things, Pete. I don't know if you feel any strong thoughts about having digital media behind you in the background. No, I think it's cool. I uh, If I had the right studio setup, like, one thing I had that I always wanted to do... I kind of the homage to the Woody page thing on mm -hmm. around the horn with like the whiteboard or the chalkboard. I would, I would love, I think it'd be fun to have something right up over your shoulder where you could, you know, write or display uh, more topical things relevant to that show. Yeah. So I have uh, one piece of artwork coming uh, from one of my favorite TV shows. I'll tease that out. That's coming whenever it comes, but yeah, my background will continually improve as much as I can. And I'm also uh, for everybody else out there. I asked for a mic recommendation from Pete. I know one of the guys in this court has been really fixated on me improving my mic the right way. And the one that he suggested Pete is the one that you had. And now I'm basically, I don't know if you remember the movie single white female, where it was about uh, Bridget Fonda stealing the life of her friend her female friend. That's basically what I'm doing with you now with the exact same mic, the led recessed lighting. I just, I want to be you so bad pete now you know i always tell everyone watching not to dupe me bro but uh if you want to dupe my you know audio visual setup you are more than welcome to and uh the mic sounding good the setup's looking good you also just it is more cozy more relaxed you know not that i had anything against your old setup but you could tell you're out in your living room in the middle stuff's happening you know now you spags has a studio i'm proud for proud of you yeah Thank you, Pete. If I could get praise from Pete, that's all I could do. It's like praise from Caesar in the digital economy of ours. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's all I could, what? That's a that's a timely reference, right? Julius Caesar. That's the kids. Know. It's right up there with the Wally Pip references. <laughs> Other news in week 13 uh, with no Debo Samuel. George Kittle explodes for nine catches, 181 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets. A shocking 30 to 23 loss to Seattle in that one, but still a massive game. Dallas Goddard also taking advantage of having a QB who actually throws the football, puts up six catches, 105 yards and two touchdowns as they win 33 18 over the Jets. And I, I mentioned both these performances together, Pete, because as Yes Man in the chat points out, it was Foster Moreau Chalk Week. Foster Moreau, compared to these two performances, one catch, 34 yards on three targets for a crisp 4.4 .4 fantasy points. 
And I think these are the kind of things we talk about throughout the show, especially, you know, trying to coach up some of our, our more casual viewers and, and listeners out there who uh, maybe don't know the inner points of DFS. But this was a classic one here where Foster Moreau, everybody was going his way, played a bunch of snaps. Darren Waller is out. And you just have two guys completely dwarf his performance at a different salary range and basically make it impossible to, to get anywhere with Foster Moreau. And I guess, is there any lessons you would give to people based off of just how this all went down? I mean, the lesson I was talking about on my show this morning, and I didn't use Foster Moreau uh, in uh, specifically. I was using Sony Michelle, but they were both late game guys. And to me, it was you know I heard people say on my you know like oh I'm gonna fade Moreau, or I'm gonna fade Michelle. I was like, I feel like you build your lineups with those guys in them because they are the best plays. And then if your early picks crush, then you can let those guys ride. And if your early picks don't do well, you absolutely cannot play those guys unless you're just playing, you know, for a min cash or whatever. So to me, it's really easy to handle those chalk, really good, you know, points per dollar plays when they're late. Um, they're much harder decisions to make when they're in the 1 p.m. slot. So I thought it was pretty easy how to handle those guys uh, yesterday. I actually didn't build my lineups with Foster Moreau preloaded in them like I did with Sony Michelle, but still it's like, if you had a middling 1 p.m. slate, like you can't eat, uh, you know, 50% own Foster Murrow. Like you're just waving the white flag at that point. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I think that's something that uh, my good friend Eric Linquist over at Osmo would talk about a lot. And he really preached late swapping to the point that I think the audience was kind of annoyed by being beaten over the head with it. But for NBA, it's crucial. For NFL, it's crucial. And I will say for me, uh, one that didn't work out was Darrell Henderson being active uh, scared me off of going Sony Michelle's way. I didn't pay close enough attention to the reports. Maybe I'd also had a bottle of champagne at this point because I was, <laughs> it was it's Mimosa Sunday. Pete, the girlfriend was going out to brunch. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to have some fun here thought that Sony Michelle was just going to be the guy and get all the work. And I had 73% of him going in swapped down to 5% did not work out well. As Sony Michelle went for 24 carries, 121 yards at a touchdown, three catches for eight yards as well. And four targets Rams win 37, seven. And I don't know what I did wrong with it. Pete, besides, I guess not paying close enough attention, but once I saw Henderson be active, I got spooked and boy, did it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Um, that, that was unfortunate how that like run out of news happened. Uh, I was upset as like a GPP guy because Schefter came out and made it sound like, yeah, Henderson's really doubtful. Sony Michelle carrying the load. Everyone updates their projections. All the cash game guys are like, holy cow, I get to play Sony Michelle. That carries over. And then the report comes out in the morning that's a little more skeptical. And it's like, oh, actually, you know, Henderson might be active. Maybe he will get some touches. It was like, if those reports were flipped, like the overnight one was like, oh yeah, Henderson's going to be active and it might be more of a split. Then we're really cooking and maybe Sony Michelle's 20% owned, but instead that news came in the wrong order. So it was just a frustrating, you didn't really know how to play it. And I was trying, cause I was late swapping off of Sony and I was like, you know, if we, if Henderson wasn't active, he would have been 50%. And I'm like, now that he's active, but we still know he's going to mainly lead the backfield. Is he going to be 40? Is he going to be 30, 20? Like what's the break even point? Cause Sony Michelle at 20, 25%, I think is like a smash Sony at 40%. You're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Some of the projections I was looking at out there had it at a 50-50 split, and I was like, 
I don't know if Sonny Michelle is going to be worth whatever vestigial leftover ownership that people had if he's getting 50% of the workload. So it scared me off and really one of those things that sometimes you got to stick with your convictions or maybe, you know, we talk about late swapping, late swapping, very important for the positive side where you're trying to get different. But if you had some good lineups that you're feeling strongly about, maybe keep Sonny Michelle in there. It'd be the lesson that I had for myself. Uh, Gardner Minshew in that Dallas Garden explosion started there, went 20 for 25, 242 passing yards and two touchdowns. And I guess the question I would have for you, Pete, assuming that Jalen Hurts misses time, and I haven't seen the follow-up reports yet. Would you rather have Minshew or Zach Wilson? Two guys in the same game. Zach Wilson actually goes 22 for 38, 226 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. and leads to a pretty big Elijah Moore day. And I don't know that I have the biggest faith in Gardner Minshew. I think all the hype's going to be there if he does get a little more time here with her, uh, Jalen Hurts hurt. But I do think Zach Wilson showed a fractional amount of what he thought he could be. And it might be a hot take here, but I do think I'd be more willing to ride with Zach Wilson if you're just desperate at QB. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, I think I still would honestly take Minshew. Um, mainly, I guess, whatever, in a vacuum and quarterback talents, but I just prefer the Eagles situation right now because I think they have better weapons. Uh, I know Elijah Moore played well yesterday and he's really coming on strong, but still, you know, Goddard, Devonta Smith, uh, their running game uh, seems to always be fine regardless of who they put back there. Uh, frustratingly so because, you know, you think it's going to be uh, Miles Sanders and then Kenny Gainwell is getting carries. But uh, yeah, Minshew looked good. Uh, what, what's the boots on the ground take? I assume Philly is just head over heels this morning with that Minshew performance. I mean, as I always do, I went canvassing the neighbor. I actually haven't left my house yet today, but I'm going to pretend I walked the dogs, asked everybody how they were feeling about it. I mean, look, you got to know, I think a, a town, a working class city like Philly, I'm sure if Jalen Hurts is winning games. We're excited to be there. If Gardner Minshew has got his meme uh, level quality, I'm sure he went out to whatever Philly local bar afterwards and they were like super stoked. I know there's a strip club. Apparently all the flyers go to here. I feel like that's probably more <laughs> Gardner Minshew's speed going to Delilah's in Philly for a local reference. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think... People probably just want to see a traditional QB here would be my thought. Like, I know that even Joe Flacco, I mentioned being at that bar a couple of weeks ago. People were like, oh, Joe, if he, oh, I wish he had gotten an Eagles chance because he's a real QB. I feel like people just historically like having the guy who sits in the pocket and is willing to kind of, even if it's just check downs like Minshew had a lot in Jacksonville. So I think, you know, you see the big receiving day for Dallas Goddard. You see Devonta Smith look useful. You see a ton of passes going like. I got to assume that people be willing to go Minshew's way. And I don't want to make it a race thing, Pete, but maybe a little bit of that. Well, too. I mean, the other thing that's bullshit about it too, just the way, I mean, when you do bring in the the race stuff is, I mean, they, they played the Jets. Like the Jets are going to be one of their easiest matchups of the year. Like I'm not convinced them on the road last week, Minshew at New York, where that D line was getting constant pressure. Like I, I'm sure Minshew would have failed just as hard in that spot too. And, and Minshew and Hertz have different skill sets. Like you said, Minshew's more of a pocket passer. He can take what's given to him. Hertz is able to create a little bit more on his own with his legs, and that has its you know strong suits at times as well. So uh, I think Minshew uh, ran pretty hot here to get his start uh, against a cupcake secondary. And uh, yeah, I, I think. Next week will be a, a more interesting test. Washington's uh, defense has been a little better. So I don't know. We'll see if if Hurts is back or not. Yeah, Washington certainly clamped down on Foster Moreau. And if they could do that, they could stop anybody. I think we can all agree there. Another big game for Justin Jefferson. 11 for 182, 14 targets and a touchdown after Adam Thielen has an early exit in that spot. The Lions win the game, Pete, 29-27, thanks to Amon Ross St. Brown. Caps off a 10-catch uh, day, 86 yards, 12 targets for him. And then Jamal Williams, another chalk bust, 17 carries for 71 yards, one catch for nine yards. So the workload is there, just didn't get the touchdowns. 
it's kind of a weird game overall, Pete, but I do feel like if you get Adam Thielen out, A, I think there's one guy we could talk about for the waiver wire segment who takes a big jump up, a guy who's actually picked before in the waiver wire segments, but also Justin Jefferson, like, he is just an absolute monster, and clearly having Thielen there is going to kind of hold him down, Thielen taking all those touchdowns away. If we get Thielen out for any period of time, and another thing I haven't seen the updates on yet, I just feel like Justin Jefferson, to me, if he were 8K next week, if he's 8,500, I think you got to take that stab a little bit in tournaments just because he is an unbelievable ceiling player. Yeah, uh, he is. And it was, I loved how it set up for him yesterday too, because everyone kind of decided, all right, Cooper Cup and Godwin, you know, are the best wide receiver plays. They had great games. There's a reason they became chalky, but Jefferson flew just slightly under the radar. He was still owned. He was like 15% in most of my contests, but 15% for that kind of ceiling. He's just been so, so good this year. Uh, and he also probably ran a little hot in that Adam Thielen left the game early. I think if Adam Thielen doesn't leave, maybe, you know, he gets a little bit uh, more of that passing production, but uh, he is so fun to watch and, and very fun to roster in fantasy. Did anything strike you as interesting for the Lions side? Uh, you know, if Swift misses time, I think you get to continue to take stabs at Jamal Williams. And certainly there's going to be days where he does get the touchdowns. I think the Amon Ross St. Brown workload was there. He also had more air yards than my my precious boy, Josh Reynolds. So maybe uh, things looking a little bit of a downturn for Josh Reynolds. But would you have any faith, uh, any faith in either of the Lions stars from yesterday? Or I guess also Josh Reynolds, but in particular, Amon Ross St. Brown and Williams. Are you willing to play these guys? I mean, they kind of seem like that classic, you know, on a good team, you know, say the Vikings, when we say, oh, Conklin and Osborne are going to alternate having good games just because the offense is so condensed, you know, the Lions can basically support Hawkinson, the running back, and then like one ancillary pass catcher. So I think we're going to see lots of weeks where, you know, Reynolds pops up for a big game. Amon Ross St. Brown pops up for a big game, but the offense just isn't good enough for all four of those pieces to routinely be consistent. Your boy Josh Frick saying Reynolds can catch the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the, the downsides of Josh Reynolds, I'd say. He looks great in his single-digit uniform, and sometimes he has days like on Thanksgiving, but it does seem like Monra St. Brown, more of a check check down guy, him getting the target at that uh, for a game winning touch center that kind of speaks to the role as well. So um, could be a tough one here for my for my Josh Reynolds hedging or, or betting rather that we had on one show that I couldn't find that show, by the way, Pete, I could not find the one that we talked about it on. I know we did. I feel like it might have been a ride or die segment. It might be the one with JJ, uh, but I know we made a Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown bet. And I feel like now uh, now I don't know that I want to find it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I. I guess I I forget what it what the particular it all blended together too with then the bet that mm -hmm. you made on the ship chasing show which I was in no mental state to recall that at the time either so uh we need one of our historians one of our accountants to uh to dig that up for us yeah I know it was after November 11th is when uh, he signed with the Lions so I might figure it out myself if anybody else finds it out there if you want to be the person who gets all the credits and shout outs here on this show feel free to find our Josh Reynolds Amon Ross St. Brown bet that I cannot find no matter how much I lovingly look through all of our old episodes other news uh, Indianapolis stomped Houston 31 to 0 only Jonathan Taylor's 32 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns as well as the Colts defense were usable family game uh, fantasy games and I guess you could say Michael Pittman as well the not the best under 18 fantasy points there's for DFS, not doing a whole lot. But the question I would have for you, Pete, and this is one that I think could extend to a few teams. 
the Houston Texans, I talked myself into a few guys. I think in particular, if Brandon Cooks and Chris Conley had ended up out, I think maybe you could have seen a little more upside for Brevin Jordan, who did get outscored and out-targeted by Farrell Brown, so not the best look for him there. But are, are you willing to play any Texans moving forward? And how many teams in the league do you feel like there would be that case? Because I'm going to assume you're going to say no for the Texans. And I feel like there's got to be a good four or five teams that you wouldn't touch a single guy from down the stretch. Yeah, I mean... I think, uh, and I was mentioning this this morning too, about how this has kind of been the year of the no bring back. And because we've seen some of these teams, um, you know, there were three games yesterday where I thought it was very viable to onslaught the Bucks without a Falcons bring back, onslaught the Rams without a Jags bring back, onslaught. And when I say onslaught, I'm using this loosely, but I just mean, you know, roll out the, you know, players on the team with a 30 point implied team total and not bring anyone back. I think what's been hard about the Texans is, you know, Brandon Cooks has been priced up. You know, they, even at 5,900, he's not projecting super well. I think you start to get more excited about a Texans bring back if, you know, he's sub 5,000 or something like that. So uh, I think it still has to be pretty, you know, salary specific relative to DFS. But yeah, we're seeing so many spots um, where these teams are boat racing these inferior opponents, and even the defense is getting there. Uh, a guy, Jay Fresh from our Discord, won the baller on Yahoo with a Herbert stack that also included the Chargers defense uh, because they were able to get there as well. So sometimes it's like these micro correlations that normally seem like they wouldn't work. Why would you use a quarterback in a game stack and then also the defense? But it's like if one team just absolutely demolishes, like their defense could be someone who's scoring as well. And it's something, too, we're on Fantasy Cruncher. And I, I think this week actually I did force a bring back, which uh, to my consternation did not work out because I had some actually some lineups that had uh, the Brady double stack with Gronk and Godwin and then also had Dallas Goddard. And they were forced to have a bring back of Tajay Sharp, who I think had three fantasy points overall. And that's what happens when you have a forced bring back is that, you know, sometimes you don't get the Russell Gage because the salary doesn't work and you end up with a Tajay Sharp. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of merits. If you're on fantasy cruncher, just use a 20% boost on the guys, like do an auto group and give them a boost, but don't force them to be in there. Cause that way it's still, you know, you're still comparing its projections and you know, maybe you do get some of that guy, but you're not forcing the bring back. And I think that's something, you know, on, I know Pete, you are a hand builder, but I do think similar process for hand building, but if you have an optimizer, like just do it that way, don't force them to be in there. Yeah. And I, I think the boost concept is, is cool. And I know there's multiple, uh, optimizers that have that. I mean, that's really what we're trying to quantify, right? Is what is the, at what point is the correlation worth more than the projected points? If you have two bring backs, say it was Brandon cooks and who let's just say Michael Pittman, cause they were both similar price. If they were both projecting for the exact same amount of points, you'd play Cooks as your bring back because you're getting the correlation bonus. But now it's like, okay, what if Michael Pittman's two points projected more? Three points, four points. At how much is that correlation worth? The booster's kind of a nice way for MME, but when you're hand building, it's definitely more of an art than a science when you're trying to figure that out. You just like lick your finger and hold it up to the air. And that's how you determine how much of a boost you're giving for the bringbacks, I suppose. Uh, last note that I had here, and I'll see if Pete has any others. Of course, the Fantasy Life newsletter covering most of the things that uh, Pete is looking deep into early on a Monday morning. So make sure you are subscribed to that as well. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I thought, keeping his lofty target share with 11 targets, uh, nine catches for 90 yards yesterday, despite Devontae Parker being back. A 20 to 9 win where they didn't have to pass a lot, but still a spot that I thought interesting to note that Waddle would have that big of a share. Um, do you have any thoughts about the Miami team? I feel like we could talk about the Giants as well. Another team that I'd say would fit my, my Texans. Probably don't need to play any guys criteria, but any thoughts on Waddle and Parker being back? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of good to see that Waddle still maintained a really solid role with Parker coming back because I think for a little while there it was like, all right, we, you know, Waddle looks pretty good, but how much of this is just pure volume driven because him and Gasicki are the only, you know, kind of consistent options in the passing game. So for Parker to come back and Waddle still to get nine for 90 is impressive. Field Yates had a tweet uh, about him that was pretty crazy. Jalen Waddle now has six games with at least eight receptions, tying Odell Beckham for the most such games by a rookie in NFL history. Waddle is on pace for 112 catches this season, 11 more than any other rookie ever. He's becoming a, he be, he's becoming a game changer in their offense. And I think what's crazy about it, he's just done it by kind of like rock solid consistency. It's not like he's had even like the Jamar chase, like super spiked games. He just every week is just getting it done. Nine, 10 catches uh, in producing really solid. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one to, to keep in mind there. And a uh, Waddle, certainly a guy who came in looking a lot like Devonta Smith in terms of the pedigree. And you can see what happens when a QB is actually uh, thrown to these guys, how it could do. And I think Waddle um, certainly a guy that I think he's boosting a stock heading into next year and could be a league winner uh, down the stretch here. If you are in a season long league or some of the uh, redacted best ball teams out there, um, any other news items for you, Pete, you want to get into, I'm looking up the Adam Thielen news and it looks like that was a high ankle sprain. So it could be uh, an interesting one to note there. And apparently they're playing on Thursday too. So that's uh, something good to keep in mind as well but any news items that we didn't talk about that you want to bring to the people yeah i mean some of the injury ones you mentioned yeah high uncle sprain for thielen so you got to miss uh, it, uh assume he misses at least a week Kenyon drake out for the season with a broken ankle uh logan thomas uh they feared initially that it might be an acl mcl but now i saw a post just a little bit ago that it might not be quite as bad uh which is good um, some other injuries, injuries, Corey Davis reaggravated his groin. Miles Sanders had the ankle. Kenny Galladay had the ribs. Joe Burrow with the finger, I think is an interesting one because I don't know if you saw on the game, like when they showed him on the sidelines after that, he was grimacing, uh, just making any throws. Then he came back in the game and looked okay. Um, you never know when, like, are these, are they just like shooting him up with cortisone and then he just comes back in on adrenaline? Uh, is this something that could actually you know, hamper him going forward. That'll be one I'll, I'll keep an eye on. Yeah. And Mike Lennon, also a brain injury. So I think the reports are that Jake Fromm could be getting some time for the giants. Uh, assuming that Daniel Jones's neck thing doesn't clear up, which seems unlikely that they would even want to put him back out there. Um, I don't think Pete, I got to assume you're not going to have a lot of Jake Fromm stock. That's going to be rising in your, your that's, various leagues. That's more your brand, man. This is the backup to the backup here. <laughs> you know, the backup to the backup is where I start to lose faith. I feel like if it were Mike Lennon getting a few more weeks against a uh, crappy team, maybe if they were playing the Texans, I could talk myself into that, but uh, no, Mike Lennon, brain injury, tough to hear. Jake Fromm has been uh, booted from multiple teams and has not gotten that shot, I think, for pretty good reason. Despite the, the Jake Fromm State Farm thing, I thought was a pretty good bit he had for a while when he was in college. What if his name was uh, Jake Danucci? I bet you'd be a lot Love more excited that. about it. Oh, Jake Danucci, you get welcome to the family. segments <laughs> here. Um, are, do you want to do welcome to the family next, or do you want to try to do the waiver wire and do a normal thing first? Um, let, let's do welcome to the family. All right. So, of course, this is that time where we're going to, uh, well, Pete, you got to hit the intro. I think that's the main oh, part. Oh, God, you're right. Of course, we are going to celebrate Italian culture once Pete remembers uh, to hit the intro that was so lovingly crafted by producer Luke. Oh. Welcome to the family CD. Cepale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to family. We're going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here.
Okay. <laughs> wait, can I? Let me see if I could do the the thing before I get fully into character. Oh wait, red, white, green. Oh, it's it's Italian here. B, look at the lighting. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey, that's looking pretty good over there, Spaggies. It looks nice. You're doing a sexy Italian voice this week, huh? I'm doing, uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I uh, still got to welcome a few guys to the family, you know? Like, just because I ain't feeling good doesn't mean that grandma's not having these guys all in for linguine, you know what I mean? We got to <laughs> let them in. It's cold outside. And this angel hair pasta, that's what looks good. But of course, on this segment, what we do is we put on our finest Italian wares and we welcome some fine folks to our little family of ours, whether they be guys who've just been doing things for a while or somebody brand new who had an emerging performance that we want to bring in. And I'll start it off here so Pete can get himself calibrated. This show is fucking insane, says D Golden. You're fucking right. You know what else is insane? Not going to Mon Ross St. Brown's way, a USC alum. I got this blanket over here. And I've been saying for a while, there's going to be a Detroit wide receiver who breaks out at any moment. Of course, the Detroit's got their own families out there, a little bit of a different style than our families over here. But I'm going to bring in Amon Ross St. Brown because he's a receiver we all know is going to be looking great for the Detroit Lions. And until somebody finds a clip that proves otherwise, Amon Ross St. Brown seems like a game winner and possibly a league winner, Pete. It's hard to keep track of how much you move the goalpost bags. First, it's Josh Reynolds. Then it's Amon Ra. Next thing you know, it's going to be you touting some wide receiver from the NFC North. It's kind of incredible how easy it is for you not to miss when you just tout every fucking player, Spags. Well, the thing is, Pete, sometimes, you know, it's like we say when we're hanging out in the corner, rolling some dice, eating some sausage in a roll. What we like to do is we sometimes say, here's an opportunity in a situation. You don't know exactly what the opportunity is going to be. You don't know who's going to fill it up. You got scrap metal over there. Sometimes you got to get some cement boots as from the local cement bootery. And that's just what happens. You know that you got to get something done. You don't know who's going to step up from the crew and do it. But somebody eventually does, Pete, and that's what family's all about. Hey, look, look, all I'm saying is if I didn't know you worked down at the docks, I'd say you should become a fantasy analyst because those fuckers love to move the goalposts on their touts. So, hey, I'm if you're ever looking They at love them moving that goalpost. <laughs> it's a union job, though, so you can't do that on certain hours of the day. Pete, you got anybody you want to welcome to the family here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to welcome this guy, dude. I, I, I hadn't seen this dude in ages. Frankly, I'd forgotten about him. He's like four foot six. But this dude, Kyler Murray, dude, I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> rushes for two touchdowns, throws for two touchdowns. It's like I can't understand this team is 10 and two. This little fucker, Kyler Murray out here, just wheeling and dealing. I forgot about him, to be honest. I did. And uh, I want to re-extend the invitation for Kyler Murray to come back into the family I'm sorry that I forgot about you, that I left you out in the cold. You come in here, okay? I want to give you a little kiss, but it's going to be, I'm going to blow you a kiss because I'm not feeling too good. Daddy's a little under the weather, Kyler. So here's a kiss from across the room to you. Welcome to the family. I like that you're the daddy in this scenario. The little Kyler Murray just got pat him on the head, put him on his way. But he's certainly a a little a little uh, what's what's a word we'd say to tell? A little paisano, a little paisanito is what we call a uh, little Kyler Murray. Oh, for sure. I'd love to just put him in a little gondola and just roll around the canals of Venice with that dude, just picking his brain about what it's like to be four foot three in the NFL. 
A truly inspirational story, much like Toad overcoming so much to be the right hand to Princess Peach. <laughs> I would say another guy that I'm going to welcome to the family this week. And this is a guy, another guy that I've had uh, an eye on the opportunity in the Denver backfield for so long. And it's just so great to see Javante Williams, a man who has all the talent in the world, finally getting in there. Old Uncle uh, Melvin Gordon gets out of the way. He's been holding down the crew for too long. And Javante Williams, we all knew the yards per touch numbers. He's a voice and tackles left and right like I avoid a French meal because who could trust the French to make food? You can only trust a nice paisan like myself or a, perhaps a lady paisan. A paisana is what we'd call her. Either way, Javante Williams, Pete, a guy that, you know, I've been talking about this guy. Best ball drafts. I, I violated all those rules. FBI's been coming for me for a while because I said Javante Williams on all my teams. And now, no Melvin going. We finally see him dancing in the red, white, and green sunlight. I feel like I might uh, I might be in like some kind of fugue state. I could have sworn you were a Melvin Gordon guy. I don't know if I'm mixing you up with another Paisano or what. You guys all kind of look the same out there. But, hey, glad to see you're on board with the Javante Williams train. Some of us have been believing in this dude from day one. I want to welcome someone to the family, though, who doesn't get a lot of love out there, okay? I see these best ball bros saying you can't draft this guy because he has no upside, but my guy, Russell Gage, dude, he pops up for an 11 for 130 line here. I mean, talk about you these GPP fuckers saying they don't bring anyone back. How about you bring Russell Gage back in your stacks? 26 DraftKings points. You know, I, I, I'm not. Do I miss Calvin Ridley anymore? I don't miss Calvin Ridley when I'm getting 11 for 130 from Russell Gage. This guy, I'm welcoming him to the family. In fact, I'm going to go put, um, I'm going to go get a COVID test. And if I'm clear, I'm going to just give you the biggest kiss of my entire life, Russell Gage. I want to stick my tongue down your throat and thank you for a beautiful PPR day. Yeah, perhaps we too prematurely welcome Kyle Pitts. The family thought Big Kyle came on in with all the pedigree, coming in with all the hype. Meanwhile, little Russell Gage is out there, barely a hair taller than Kyler Murray, four foot seven. Russell Gage out there, <laughs> got you know 130 yards worth. Uh, Pete, that's an Italian dozen worth of yards. That's true. It's true. We do math differently here in Italy, and uh, yardage is definitely something that's a little different in Italy. Everything's bigger in Texas. Well, math is different in Italy. It's just a whole other ball game. Deagle saying somebody should take this Melvin guy fishing. It's true. We set Melvin up with the casino business. He handled it very poorly. And now Javante Williams is the bell of my eye, as he has been really all year long. I don't know who's touting Melvin Gordon on this show. Certainly not this character has never touted Melvin Gordon. I'll say that. Hey, hey, what happened to our thumbnail over your shoulder? There's now some very uh, cute slideshow of various landmarks in the United States. I mean, Spag, what's going on with this setup? Buddy? Apparently in time out but Pete I think you're gonna <laughs> like here I got some other things I could put on as well and in fact one of the tests I did uh, was deliberately designed for this show where I could put uh, this also on the background uh, a little thing I like to call a headshot, a young Peter Overset, uh, <laughs> apparently from the UCB comedy school back when he was doing real jokies not just doing uh, this little uh, low-hanging fruit fantasy content I'm both, uh, I don't know who the fuck that is. I don't know why you have it up on your background, Spags. I think you're real sick, dude, real sick. But kid looks looks bright, looks full of promise, looks like someone we should welcome into the family. Seems like the whole future's ahead of him. And now uh, you think he you think he would have a conversation with a current edition of himself and Zed? I have some questions to ask. I just look at that kid, so young, so healthy, so full of life. 
before the content machine shoot him up and spit him out, left him as a fucking sack of potatoes, touting Mac Jones on a showdown slate. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. The old content coal mines could do the, the worst to all of us. They've blackened Pete's lungs, and now they've also killed that young man's boyish good looks and enthusiasm. Anybody else you want to welcome to the family, Peter? I feel like we've covered enough here. We've changed backgrounds. What else could you ask for two union guys like us? Oh, yeah. The only thing I need to welcome to the family right now is a couple of Dayquil and a few Kleenex bags. And I'm not joking about the Kleenex. I'll be right back. Okay, Pete's going to get some Kleenex. Also, apparently he's going to get Kleenex, so we can't hit the outro. So I have to stay in character this whole time. Uh, but uh, you know, the red background does indicate, reminds me of a nice uh, nice sauce from back home, a nice meat sauce. Uh, Pete, you got to hit that outro now. Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what falls on this guy? I'm Shit, he's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. We're going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here. Uh, Kyle, I, I feel like is new to the show, at least based on uh, his participation in the low probability crystal ball, asking who is this and where is Nana Pete and asking if you're doing a Salvetri impersonation. So Kyle, Kyle really thrown by our new bits, the, the staples that we're bringing here as a result of our years of UCB training. Yeah, um, it is well known that I do a different version of an Italian character every week on this show. You never know which version you're going to get. And Nana Pete is uh, Thursday. Nana P is a Thursday uh, appearance. So tune in. We are here every Monday, Thursday, and Friday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Brought to you yep. by Football Outsiders. Yeah, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe where uh, you can pay tribute to the loving corpse of Peter Oversat by 99 cents a week packages on there. And there's no better way, no better way to honor a great man uh, who once had dreams of being uh, doing real comedy. <laughs> Yes, and now I do this. Now we do. Now we do silly characters that just confuse our audience and perhaps ourselves. I don't even know. Uh, but it's probably about time, Pete, to do the. Also, which do you think was the worst bit to do if you were sick? Like, would it be the Nana Pete one or would it be the Italian one? It. I was. I knew I had to do low energy. Like, I just can't because also with that too, it's already kind of a raspy voice. And I, like the last thing I want to do to my throat right now is try to do a full throated mafia voice. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think the, the low energy thing lends itself better to the mafia voice. Whereas Nana Pete always has a real, like an energy to her barbs and her spitefulness. I feel like Nana Pete always starts out low energy. And then once she gets rolling, she gets real riled up. That's true. She does, especially when she's talking about the hot buttocks of Joe Mixon, then then it's hard to keep that that train from not rolling downhill. But it's time to do the waiver wire snake draft because there are still leagues going on week 14. And I guess actually that's something I don't know because I didn't do a league this year. Like uh, with 18 weeks, when is championship week? When like the playoffs are starting now for most leagues, right? Uh, most leagues just shifted it. So 15, 16 and 17, um, are the playoffs like the way FFPC does theirs. They have the mini like league championships are 13 and 14. And then the big championship is 15, 16, 17. So if you're in FFPC leagues, you're, you're in the championship this week, or if you're in regular leagues, this is kind of your final week to jockey for playoff position. All right, so a crucial week here, and of course, as always, we are con uh, consulting the road of his article from Sam Wallace, who is doing a great job every single week, bringing great data, great visualizations on road of his uh, to show some of the waiver pickups that are going to be out there and worthwhile. 
And uh, Pete, honestly, a lot of, actually interesting to note here, a couple of Lions receivers on this list. So glad you know, some of us were ahead of that curve. Some of us just catching up. Either way, glad to see Sam paying tribute there. But I'll let you take the first pick, Pete, because uh, you're obviously a, a sick boy, and I want you to get the best of, of everything for yourself. Wow, that's so kind of you. Um, I will do, I think there's a few solid pickups. Um, I'll do Kenny Gainwell. He's a guy I swear I probably had as a pickup on this show at like three different points of the season because he keeps coming in and out of favor with the team. He's been a healthy scratch, but then sometimes when he actually gets burned, he looks really good. He had a uh, 12 carries and five targets uh, yesterday. And, you know, Boston Scott was active, but you know, they said he was dealing with an illness throughout the week. So it's always hard to untangle Again, now is Gainwell back in favor with the team or was Scott just not 100%? Uh, but I'm willing to take stabs on rookies late in the season. We talk about it a lot. Their roles uh, tend to to grow relative to, to veterans as the season progresses. So I'm willing to take a stab on Kenny Gainwell in PPR leagues. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable one to take in, in a similar vein here because I do think it looks like there's a lot more wide receiver and QB that you can get to. But one guy that could pick up a share and his role on Sunday was interesting because uh, James Robinson fumbled and then was mostly out of the game after that. He's also been banged up pretty bad, was questionable to even play yesterday, did play. Carlos Hyde is somebody I feel like could get work down the stretch just because Urban Myers uh, is so all sorts of stupid is what I'll say. I was trying to find a word that wasn't going to be directly derogatory or insulting to a variety of people out there. But Urban Meyer, just to me, I, I don't know what he's going for down the stretch. Wouldn't shock me if this were a one and done season for him. But we do know he loves Carlos Hyde. We do know he's got the history there. Carlos Hyde looking for a deal, still clearly wants to play, still getting work, has been a pretty even snap share alongside James Robinson of late. I feel like that could be the case down the stretch as the Jags may shock you people out there alone. Uh, they're not playing for anything right now. And I do feel like Carlos Hyde could get work down the stretch in a way that I don't feel comfortable with. I don't feel like it's deserved. But if you're hard up for a running back, Carlos Hyde could be the guy. Yeah. Um, Carlos Hyde looked looked decent. He continues to get a bunch of volume whenever James Robinson is out or uh, or banged up. But I, re I really can't bring myself to say anything else about Carlos Hyde right now. That is tough, but fair. And I will continue with my, of course, getting the pick on the turn. I won't do Pete in because he's sick uh, to giving me a free pick for myself. But I will take a Monroe St. Brown available in 93% of leagues, according to Rotoviz. And as we've talked about here, he's just been a guy that I've been targeting for weeks and weeks now. I've been saying, hey, he's going to get that rapport with Jared Goff. Jared Goff doesn't love Josh Reynolds as much as he loves a Monroe St. Brown. We all knew that. But really, if I'm not doing bits here, I will say that there's just opportunity for the Lions. They clearly are not giving up on the year. Jared Goff, for his many, many failings, of which are there are so too many to list, really. Uh, in particular, that if you blitz him, he's just going to fall apart and probably throw an interception. But teams don't always blitz him, and sometimes he will have success. And maybe there's some momentum building for the Lions down the stretch, or that was just one game. Either way, they will be in positive game scripts, and I think that could benefit a Monroe St. Brown, Pete. So that's who I'm going to take. Yes, uh, I'm glad to see both your Italian alter ego and your sober fantasy analysts are in on a Monroe St. Brown. I will do, um, I will do KJ Osborne. Uh, they play on a short week. I think Adam Thielen seems very likely to miss with a high ankle sprain. Who knows? Maybe he guts it out. But again, the nice thing about the Thursday stuff in most leagues, um, you can stash him if Thielen doesn't go and you need to play Osborne. Great. Uh, or if you keep him on your bench, you, you know, you can cut him if Thielen is active. So there's some optionality there. He had four receptions, 47 yards and a score. And that offense is just so, so condensed as is that if you, you know, slide him in and it's basically just 
Jefferson, Osborne, and Conklin as the only guys that would be getting looks with Thielen out. So uh, he's definitely worth an ad if, you, if you're in need of wide receivers. And I'll do a guy that I'm pretty sure I did last week too, but I see he's still available in 86% of leagues. It's Cole Komet. I get that it's frustrating. Jimmy Graham had another touchdown this week. Jimmy Graham has just been uh, an issue <laughs> in the red zone for Cole Komet uh, for his entire career, but 18 targets over the last two weeks. So he continues to be involved. And this is in a game where Andy Dalton had four interceptions. So things can definitely get better for Cole Komet. I think that's a reasonable one too. And now I wish I had waited on Carlos Hyde, not thinking that I was trying to give a pick that I think maybe help people out there, but I should have thought more like, Oh, Pete's never going to take Carlos Hyde. I could save him and get KJ Osborne. Cause I do think KJ Osborne is probably as good of a wide receiver pick as you're going to get. That's not a Monroe St. Brown. Um, but I will now take my final two guys here and I don't love any of them, but I will take Matt Breida. Uh, we did talk last week about Zach Moss being a healthy scratch. Uh, we did see a lot more snaps going Devin Singletary's way, but Breida has been a lot more productive with his limited snaps for the bills so far. He's still available in 80% of leagues out there. And I think um, that's the kind of play tonight that could get even more valuable. So um, if there's somebody to pick him up in your league, if you had an extra roster spot, I think it wouldn't be crazy to do tonight. Uh, but I think Breida kind of versatile in a way that Singletary has maybe not proven to be. That could be something that comes in handy against New England. So it wouldn't shock me if Breida is more valuable by tomorrow than he is perceived as right now. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if Zach Moss is, is active uh, mm-hmm. again tonight or not. Um, but yeah, I, I still like Breida. A lot in that offense. Um, I will wait. I think I think I I, I think you took your guys, didn't you? Wait, no. No, I, uh, I have one more. I have one more. Oh, now. you have one more. Yeah, I've done yep. three. So let me take my my last guy here. Damn, I should have just let you say somebody and then stolen him immediately. I will take uh Jalen Guyton, and this is not one that I feel great about, but again, KJ Osborne, I think, was a much better pick here. And Josh Reynolds, I've talked about enough here, though he's apparently available in 97.5% of leagues. So you took him in a Monroe St. Brown. I think one of them will have value down the stretch. Which one will be that guy week to week? Who knows? Jalen Guyton, same thing. Mike Williams, clearly a higher priority tar- target. Keelan Allen, Keenan Allen, excuse me, uh, clearly a high priority target as well. Jalen Guyton, we saw get in the end zone yesterday. He still feels like a guy who should get more work downfield. It seems like he's also pulled ahead of Josh Palmer after Palmer was ahead of him for most of the year. Um, Guyton's just been that guy time and time again. There's no Ty Johnson there anymore to take uh, some of the snaps away from him. So I feel like Guyton, I feel the least good about for all of our wide receiver picks, but I think he's a guy 99% of leagues. Sure. Why not? If you're in a very deep league. Yeah, um, I don't have anything nice to say about Jalen Guyton, but uh, you know we have to do the charade of this uh, <laughs> this waiver. Gotta get to four feet, you know that. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, I'm gonna go off the board here. I'm just trying to get creative. So Kenyon Drake out for the season. Josh Jacobs handled a massive workload. It's kind of an interesting situation. So I'll, I'll double tap both of these picks because I think you could make a case for both. Jalen Richard, who's traditionally been more of the pass catching back, he was out this week because of COVID. I assume he will slide in and get most of the kind of receiving work. And then Peyton Barber, we've seen be a one-for-one replacement for Josh Jacobs when he's out as more of the early down guy. So I think you take stabs on both of these guys. Richard's going to be the guy who will probably give you kind of immediate production in a floor role, just catching a few balls a game. And then Peyton Barber just becomes the, the next pure handcuff. And Barber actually had two targets uh, yesterday, I noticed. So who knows? Maybe they feel comfortable um, having him, you know, work in a little bit as the pass catching back as well. So I don't have a good read on how that's going to ultimately shake out. But in these backfields where one guy is just permanently removed, I'm always ready to move to next man up. Because if Jacobs got hurt 
or miss for any reason, uh, one or both of those guys would have a decent amount of value. Yeah, and earlier in the year, Peyton Barber was more productive per touch than uh, Josh Jacobs himself was as well. So I I agree with you. Rashard's probably got the more ready-made role for himself, but Barber uh, could certainly gain, you know, depending on the game scripts, if somehow the Raiders are getting crushed or if they are very far ahead, you can see Barber get a lot of the work there as they just run out the clock. You can also see him get more pass game work too. So I think that's a reasonable play either way. Uh, but Rashard, I would agree with you, probably the more obvious pathway to getting a few few obvious little dink and dunk touches there. Uh, but let's talk, Pete. Also, we didn't talk about low ball. We got to give the shout out to our guy, Tom Sorcy. Thanks to you, Picking Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota did not play a single snap. No, did you read the update? And, what was that? Did you not see the update? No, what happened? I know I, I did not. So I saw that initial post too. And then Tom came in uh, uh, basically an hour ago and said, I was wrong. Mariota played two snaps, including one where he ran a route. So <laughs> I am clear Spags and I am the low ball king again. Oh, okay. So I wanted to give our guy Tom a shout out. Of course, who did uh, join us from the viewer chat on Thursday. And we'll be doing that again on Thursday. So pay attention to at Splash Play Pod so you can retweet it and get into the mix here and play low ball alongside us. But I was I was so excited to be like, oh, we I forgot to mention that Pete lost at something. And in fact, we forgot to mention that you won. Uh, you know, we get we can pull it up here. Uh 78.2. I mean, just an absolute gem of a low ball lineup. I did have the 19 from Lockett and Eckler, uh, but otherwise hit well. Tommy Zero here uh, did well, uh, all things considered, although the Chargers defense, I think, is really kind of what hurt him there. And Spags built a team that probably would have won a lot of small field GPPs. <laughs> <laughs> The Zach uh, Wilson thing, uh, like the, that stack, I feel like it came through, but I think based on everything we've seen this year, I think that was still a very good play. The Fournette one, I flew too close to the sun. I just wanted to spite you after he, after he was so good the week before on your low ball team. Yeah, it's on it. Yeah, it, it was basically just the Zach Wilson stack. Got you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 44 points there, which in, in low ball land is a no, no. Yeah, and those guys were definitely cheap enough. I could have gone a different way. So that's the the errors in my ways. But Pete, once again, the king. And and I guess I was thinking like, oh, we could have Tom and, and Brian, of course, the mortgage king back on for like a, a tournament of champions thing at some point. And now Tom does not qualify. Yeah, well, uh, well yeah, maybe we'll week, week 17, week 18, little tournament of champions. Uh, it could be good. Yeah, well, we'll think about it. So make sure to pay attention here. Of course, always be in the chat. And we appreciate everybody who's in the live chat watching these shows live or after the fact as well. But certainly appreciate you guys hanging out and dropping some things for us to talk about. I'll speak it up. Terrence, uh, I, that might be Terrence, but it says Terrence Charles saying the bet was on the show with buy for him. That's actually a separate Josh Reynolds bet. We had had another one on a show before that, but I, I, I'll be damned if I know which show it was. I know yeah, it was that's in November. I know that. Yeah, that's that's why there's we're trying to figure it out. We remember the the ship chasing one because Spags wouldn't let me get that bet, but then he booked it with buying for it. And I I do know the bet you're talking about. We just have to find the exact clip. Yeah, I mean now honestly, again, I'd prefer we don't find the bet, but that's not that's neither here nor there. If Amon Ross St. Brown is gonna keep getting twelve targets a game, I don't think that's gonna be Josh Reynolds' world. But let's talk about Monday Night Football. Of course, tonight is a battle of the AFC East. We have New England getting nineteen implied points, Buffalo twenty two implied points. So a particularly low scoring one for the books today, Pete. Uh, but how are you feeling about this one? Do you have any overall thoughts? And then, of course, do you want to give us a ride or die pick for a showdown captain for the Millie Maker tonight? Yeah, I'm this one. You know how we always have the Thursday night games? They'll have like a 47 point over under and then like 38 points will be scored. I feel mm-hmm. like tonight's game is going to be the opposite. Like I was kind of surprised how low this low this total is. It's a 41 point total. And I know both New England and Buffalo have good defenses and and they're willing to play, you know, slow at times, New England specifically. But 
the New England offense has been really humming and the Buffalo offense we know can can speed up and, and really score to where this game feels like a sneaky one that could actually be pretty fun. Like, I guess I'm my take is I'm more hopeful that this has some back and forth action to it than the 41 point, you know, total would imply. And then as far as showdown, we're just going to see massive, massive captain ownership on Josh Allen. I'm seeing around projected ownership about 35%. And then even in the run the Sims Sims, he's appearing 30% of the time. So, you know, the field is definitely making that play at a correct rate right now. So I think we'll have some, some leverage spots, but it's kind of one of those Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen and in captain nights where he kind of just runs away from the field and projection. Yeah, I agree. Like, so the line from the beginning of the week was at 43.5. Now it's down to 41 uh, edge sports. Of course, where we run a hundred thousand simulations, edjsports.com has it as a 43 point line. So they feel like the initial line was probably the more efficient one. And I would agree. I feel like this is, uh, you know, it's not probably a plus EV um, of, you know, over to be taking by a wide margin, but I do think it's been bid down enough now that I think taking the over is a decent move and trying to play the over for DFS might be a good move. But I saw you just posted that chat uh, saying that the wind might be an issue. I feel like the Vegas total is going to be the main thing to, to qualify that. And these are two teams where for Josh Allen, like he is such a, a slinger anyway, where I think he can cut through most wins and Mac is throwing enough short balls where I don't like it matters that much. So I just would never read. I don't know if you feel differently, Pete, but I would never read too much in a win. I feel like the Vegas total is already accounting for that. Yeah, I, I normally check it out. And I was just reading Kevin Roth's uh, update on Roto-Grinders. He's a, a, a meteorologist that I normally trust with all this stuff. And his takeaway was it's not you can't throw the ball at all weather, but longer throws and field goals will be impacted. Um, but I, I don't think you should be making too big of manual adjustments uh, because of this. And I mean, the truth is the Packers, uh, or the Packers, the Patriots don't even have like a deep shot type game. You know, they're not running. They're all quick hitters and stuff too. The bills do a lot of quick stuff um, with Beasley and, and with dig. So I'm personally not concerned about it. Um, I think, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Mac on the year to 7.7 to 10 at air yards per attempt. So a uh, pretty low mark relative to most of the league. And that's, uh, that's, I agree. Like, I think just worrying about the wind is something that people will do and talk themselves out of plays. If anything, it actually might result in more fourth down goes just because you don't want to see the kicker trying to kick into the wind. If it's 25 miles per hour of a swirling wind or whatever the case may be. Uh, so yeah, I think just one of those things that sometimes people write it off for. That's why we look at Vegas totals and just kind of trust that process because there's a reason that they continue to build a new neon garish buildings every single year. Uh, but Pete, you're six. So I'll let you have the first ride or die pick here. And also worth pointing out, you did in fact, win ride or die picks once again, our pal Greg got two three-pointers correctly. I got one 10-pointer of George Kittle in the Millie Maker winning lineup. And you got two 10-pointers and a three-pointer, um, including that over 67 and a half. Actually, no, is that it? No. You got, wow, you, that actually wasn't the one you got. You got Justin Jefferson, right? You also got, boom, boom, boom. Adam Humphreys outscoring Foster Moreau, right? Wow. A, a spicy one that was correct. And then you also got Zach Wilson outscoring Gardner Minshew, right? Even though they both were pretty good. Um, what was the, I, it was over points in the Bengals chargers game. Is that no, that was I actually one you did not get right. It was pretty close, but I think it was oh, under okay. 67 and a half, but you got Justin Jefferson. You actually got, uh, is that, yeah, you got one Millie maker pick, right? I got one Millie maker pick, right? So we basically built the lineup for them. There you go. Um, shout out to the splash play listener who won the Millie maker. Um, <laughs> and also whistle go woo who won the other Millie maker. Um, well, I think we both have to just do a gentleman's agreement not to pick Josh Allen just because he's the runaway captain. 
I think that would seem like a fair one. Actually, boy, there's really, he is a tier above. And I would say if we were building a lineup today, it's like, it's Josh Allen by a pretty wide margin. Oh, we shaking it. Oh, I'm over here. I forgot. I know. We, we switched. So yeah, here we go. All right. No, Josh Allen. I used to do, I don't know if you notice this or if people out there would even care. I used to horizontally flip it. I don't know why I was doing that for a while, but now you could see the true form here. So, cause like you can read, I don't want the money sign to be backwards. Um, no, I, I think it looks good specs. Don't worry about it. You're you. So now I have nowhere to shake hands and now I know I actually have to go right. Well, here. and normally I'm here. Um, so, oh just... yeah. Oh yeah. That's all. That also fucks. So I gotta go left to you this way. Okay. And then this, this is where you tickle you. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. All right. So no Josh Allen, but you can take the first pick either way for our ride or die picks. Fine. I'll take Stefan Dix. Okay. That's a pretty good <laughs> Pretty good second one. Um, I guess, you know, the obvious leverage would be going to Dawson Knox, I think. And Emmanuel Sanders, too, running a bunch of routes and still picking up a lot of air yards. But I'll go to Mac Jones because I'll take a QB here who will theoretically have a higher floor, maybe a higher ceiling in the spot. Uh, but I think Diggs, if you're not doing Allen, I think Diggs is probably the obvious number two. I think Mac Jones is a good pick. Um, I was looking at his average ownership and it looks like he's going to be like pretty low, like four or 5%. And yet in the Sims, he was the third most frequented captain after Allen and Diggs. So Mac Jones looks like a sharp captain pick tonight. It looks like Osmo has got him under 10% of captain Mac Jones. Um, pretty much everybody under 10% of captain, according to Osmo, besides Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. So keep that in mind if you're building lineups today or in general. Uh, Pete, any final things you want to say here? Of course, people should be following you at Peter Overset. They should be following me at Chris Bags, And they should be following at Splash Play, Pod to Know, whenever. Whatever silly things are coming across the timeline there. Sometimes show updates, sometimes chances to be on the show. You never know what's going to happen at Splash Play Pod. But tell people your plugs, Pete. Uh, yeah, uh, I am going to take a warm shower, uh, in a little bit. Uh, maybe I'll have some more soup. Um, actually maybe I'll even go to the sauna. Maybe I'll just go and just sweat this out. Uh, could be nice. Uh, but I am going to do a showdown cram tonight. So we'll dig more into, uh, the weeds on the best plays for this showdown slate at, uh, around seven 30. Yeah, I do feel like the sweating it out thing. Like I, I never, I'm not a big sauna guy. I do not have access to a sauna currently, so I can't speak to that. But I feel like just putting the blankets on when you have a fever and trying to break the fever like that tends to be a positive. Plus, if you move, I'd say. Thank you, Nana Spags, for that that, that <laughs> tip. <laughs> Don't forget to mix in some honey and lemon with the tea, Peter. <laughs> All right, maybe, Griffin on that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should bring that uh, that energy to uh, the next uh, splash play uh, segment. Oh, should I do? Should I do a Nana voice? So I don't want to steal your bit. I still like being a mysterious soothsayer. No, that's good. You got it. You got to stumble upon these bits organically. That's true. We'll we'll figure out some more. And of course, be back on Thursday at two thirty Eastern. So come hang out with us then. And remember, subscribe to Pete's channel. Hit the like button here. It's the only thing keeping Pete alive is you guys hitting the like button. So please hit that now. Come back for his showdown cram video, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye.